0: Assalamu alaykum wa everybody, and welcome home. For the past few years, we've always started our programs with this statement, and we mean it because community is a place that we all should call home, a place that gives us peace, a place that gives us tranquility, and a place that we know is going to be there. When Allah describes faith in the Qur'an, He mentions stability as being a requirement for faith to grow. Asluha thabit wa That its roots are firm and its branches grow to the sky. If we don't have stability, if we don't have permanence, if we don't know that something is going to be there for us, then our faith won't be able to grow. This is why when the Prophet came to Medina and made the migration, the hijrah with his companions, at that moment, when they arrived at their new permanent home, he said the beautiful phrase, Afshus Salam, spread peace. Why? Because peace can be attained now that we have a place that we can call home. For the past five years, Roots has been able to be a part of so many people's lives. Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. And we're so honored to have that be a part of our legacy. But we've been doing it in temporary spaces. We've been doing it in hotel banquet halls, in masjid side rooms, in people's living rooms at home, and in temporary lease spaces where when we were signing the lease, we knew that this was not going to be there forever. But that can change. By the favor of Allah, with our foundational organization Qalam, we've been able to find this beautiful property here in Carrollton, Texas, that will be the permanent location and facility for the Roots Community Space, a place where everybody can feel that tranquility and have that growth of faith that Allah Ta'ala tells us about. We need your help to close on this property. We need you to generously donate and contribute whatever you can, adding your name to this list of people that will help build and construct a permanent home for us to build the model community following the example of the Prophet Muhammad in Medina. Help us make this dream a reality. Visit rootsdfw.org slash home. As-salamu alaykum. as alaykum. Bismillahi wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. Welcome home everybody. It's good to see everybody back. Alhamdulillah. Um, how's everyone doing? Alhamdulillah. It's good to see... And uh, it's, it's wonderful alhamdulillah, to, to see everyone coming back here on a Monday to get closer to the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, it's important, uh, especially when you do something like a lot over and over again, and it's repetitive, uh, something like Salah, for example, um, or even like from, from, from yearly things that you do, Ramadan, like we all, inshallah, are anticipating Ramadan, which is uh, now about 45 days away, subhanAllah. May Allah ta'ala allow us to arrive there and to benefit from it. So when, when you do something regularly, and you, it's something that you just expect to do, it's really, really important to become uh, in the habit of just looking at your intentions and reinspecting, like, internally what you're feeling and what you're thinking about the different things that you're doing. Um, Salah, five times a day, obviously, is is one of them. Um, uh, you know, Ramadan, as we mentioned, or even something like visiting, you know, your parents or, like, calling your parents or... Uh, I don't know just anything that you're engaged with so this is obviously something that people do like Monday nights come to heart work we, we try to get closer to Allah and closer to one another as a community and sometimes it can just kind of become like routine it can become a regimen that you follow um, and again the reward for being here is something that out of Allah's you know graciousness and his mercy like everybody's eligible for it so there's not You know, the intention, of course, is necessary, but just by being here, there are narrations that tell us that, you know, even if you just came because we're having like, you know, free pizza or something, you would still, you would still, because of Allah's mercy, you would still leave here with a reward. Um, And that's fine. But in Islam, we're also taught that to get the reward of something and to get the benefit of something are two different things, right? So like I can get the reward of something, which is maybe my sins forgiven or I get the edge out of being here, but I may not benefit from being here right and so you know what i mean and so there there there's definitely uh uh you know a deep uh need there's a necessity for everyone to sort of just reinspect their intentions even me honestly like why do i do this why do i come here why do the volunteers come and you know plate pizza for everybody like uh, i guarantee you mashallah they have qualifications you know in terms of their desire to work beyond just volunteering at a at a community nonprofit so everybody here could be somebody somewhere else for, for a variety of reasons. And so it's important just to think about that because the Prophet ﷺ said that, you know, that every single person can only do whatever they intend to do. And every deed is only going to be rewarded according to that intention. So it's important as we come here, you know, this is why some of the old school, like traditional people, when they pray, they would say, like, uh, the Lord or something, they would actually say their intention out loud. Anyone here ever heard that before? Yeah, it's, it's a common practice sometimes. It's not necessary. And I don't want people to get caught up in that. Like you don't have to do it. And especially in the Hanafis, they say like, well, if you're praying at sunset, it's like self-evident that it's meldative. you don't have to state self-evident things. Uh, but nevertheless, the spirit behind it is beautiful, which is that I don't want a single prayer just to kind of become haphazard because how many of us have ever prayed before and forgot what prayer we were praying in our prayer? It's happened. There's only a few of you who are honest, right? There's only like two people in out of their heads. Everyone else is like, I don't know what you're talking about. You sinful, imam. Right, yeah, so it happens. Like you forget what rakah you're in, or you're like, oh, is this lower osir? All right. Maybe if you have kids, that's what happens because it's hard to concentrate when they're on your back. Okay. And then you think about is their diaper dirty? Oh my god! Like, is my prayer even count anymore? Okay, so. Uh, so we're here, we're talking about Surah Al-Baqarah And we finished last week Yes, last week we did uh, the, the conclusion of the uh, people of belief Those people that Allah Ta'ala, He described them And He said that they do five different things The people of taqwa That they have five characteristics That they, uh, mashallah, they're able to, to keep like on lock What are those five things? Let's go you can, use your, you can use your translation, you can load it up, it's all good. What are the five things that he talked about? Number one, those who believe in the unseen. Okay, which we talked about, not just jinn, not just things like who you're getting married to, not just things like where you're going to live, but believing in Allah, believing in the akhirah. believing in Jannah and Jahannam, believing in the fact that the message that came to the Prophet Wasallam was also unseen. Right? That there would be this this connection between the Prophet وسلم, and Allah. That's unseen. You can't see that. Right? Believing in all these different things that we can't see. And in that, there's a huge reminder that, you know what, like, you don't have the capacity to process everything empirically. The reality is that. You can't. I mean, like, look at, subhanAllah, this tiny virus comes into your body and takes away your ability to smell and taste. And all of a sudden you lost two of your five set. You're only 60% human now at this point, right? And you're like, and and, and so you're like, Oh, does that mean that the food you're eating doesn't exist because you can't taste it? No. You obviously know it exists, right? So just because we can't see certain things from the unseen, the divine realm, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So it's important for a person to first begin by saying that. They admit, it's an admission. There are things that I cannot grasp with my five senses empirically that exist. And that's okay, right? We admit that all the time. Uh, Number two, وَيُقِيمُنَا الصَّلَاةِ Right? Good job, Yahweh. Those who establish prayer. And those people who are, who are charitable. They realize that whatever money they have is not theirs. And so they, as a result of that, when you think that the money you have is not yours, you're actually a lot more free in just giving it. Because you realize like, okay, well, the one who gave it to me is telling slash asking me to give. So like, what right do I have to withhold from that? Okay? those who believe in all the revealed scriptures, not just the fact that the Qur'an is revealed, that's one of them, but you also have to acknowledge that whatever scripture came down from Allah to any messenger was also divine before it was altered by humankind. And that's something that helps Muslims reconcile this age-old question of, how do we know we're right? How do we know we're right? Well, you know you're right because you've always been right. Right, Whether or not you were in the Ummah of Musa or the, the Ummah of Ibrahim or Musa, the Ummah of Isa or Dawood or Sulaiman or any of these Ummah, you would have been correct if you were on God's religion. And it just so happens that you're in the Ummah of the Prophet لله, And that the text that was revealed in this moment that you exist is called the Qur'an. And that that's the the, the conclusion of the, of the Sharia as we know it. Okay, so that's the fourth. And then the fifth is... Uh, and in the afterlife, they have absolute certainty. That there's no doubt. Right? It's not like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. No, we actually believe. It doesn't mean that we're always perfect, but we know. And that gives us a sense of justice and consolation. It's a therapeutic effect on the heart of the person. It also is an effect of, of, of warning, of maybe a little bit of intimidation. But the reality is there. That there's no way that all of this could exist in perfect harmony, in such beautiful concert with one another, with this being the end, like you just die and that's it, خلاص? like that makes no sense. Okay. <laughs> Those people are the ones who are truly on guidance from their Lord, and they are the ones who are successful. We finished the last bit of the last session with this idea of what is success. We talked about success being like many different things. Isn't it true that Success changes for each person, even, like at different stages of your life. What was success to you guys when you were kids? Do you remember? Charizard. Charizard. Like <laughs> the card, you mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mashallah. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Like getting a Pokemon card that you were looking for and then realizing how amazing you were for having that. All right? What else is success when you were a kid? Convincing your parents to let you sleep over at your friend's house? The age-old struggle? grades someone said grades academics okay yeah what else what was success for you yeah being a superhero superhero, right seems like we're going back in age unless you're like no it's still kind of a thing actually i'm trying right (laughs) wearing hockey pads uh anyone else you guys anyone remember the brand airwalk the shoes you guys remember that no that was like a big deal man as a kid who grew up on payless Getting airwalks was like the thing. I remember, man, Eid, 2007. No, not 2007. 2000 and, sorry, 2001. 2001. Right? Getting airwalks my parents, and I was like, that's it. Like, I'm number one in the rankings of cool in the world. That's it. It was success. And it changes, because then success changes, like making the varsity team. And then you get into college. It's like getting into college, right? Getting into the university you want to get into. Right For me, I went to community college for two years and then I transferred. So when I transferred, like all of my du'as were like for, for, for Ramadan for two years, we were like, oh Allah, please let me get into university. Oh Allah, there's a better MSA there, oh Allah, right? That was my du'as. And then of course, once you're in college, it's marriage. right? And then after marriage, it might be getting a job, whatever, or maybe it's the other way around. Sorry, for me, it was marriage. I got married young and then I got a job. But some most people, I guess, get a job and then get married. Most normal people, I'm not normal. Uh, and then, you know, you know, and some people are still making du'a for a, a companionship and may Allah Ta'ala make it easy. Whatever you're looking for, you know, you beg Allah for that. That's your, that's your barometer of success. That's your farah. That's like what you're looking for. So when Allah Ta'ala tells us what success is here, المفلحون, these are the people who are successful with a capital S, like on the day of judgment. Because every single thing, if you put anything over infinity, it equals what? Math people. Zero, very good. So whatever moment, I need prizes for for the audience. I actually have prizes, okay? I have a roots pen. Can you please pass this back to her? No okay, I have a roots pen. That's the only one, that's like one of one, by the way, okay, that's like an NFT, that's like a real life NFT. It's actually a fungible token. (laughs) Okay, anyways, whoever said it, sorry. I just keep it mashallah okay so it's zero whatever you put over infinity is zero because when you compare anything finite to the infinite it means nothing so think about it. on the day of judgment you're gonna like what are the people in the day of judgment gonna say the quran tells us like oh my god like why did i waste my time we were only there for a day we were only there for an hour we were only there for a moment like these years that you're here where you're sitting and it feels like either it's dragging or it's going very fast or whatever Whether you're, basically, if it's dragging, you know, you're, like, somewhere you don't want to be, like, waiting for your license at the DMV. (laughs) When it's going very fast, you're, like, on vacation. Whether or not, whatever it was, like, you're just going to look back and be like, that was nothing. It was like being at a stoplight. It was insignificant. Can you even remember how many stoplights you had on the way here? You can't. It doesn't even cross your mind. So when you are met with that success, all of these minor versions of success here they don't actually even register anymore, like your consciousness can't even grasp them. People will forget. What do we used to do back then? Why did we even try to do that? And subhanAllah, those people who attain success, they will look back and they'll say like, man, those, all those successes that we looked for, like they meant nothing. The interesting thing about the word falah, okay? falah and fallah, okay? Is that it has a meaning in Arabic that also has like a lot of wisdom for us. Anyone here falahi? Right, from the blood? Okay, so there's people who are like Baladi, Medani, and fallahi Falahi in Eric means that you're from what? Like a village, because you're what? A farmer, right? Farmers from villages. You don't find farmers in cities. That's why Mecca and Medina are very different. Because Mecca was like a, a metropolitan vibe. Mecca had no fertile land to, 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 uh, to turn over and to plant with. Medina is like a garden. I mean, it's a date palm tree heaven. So it's very different uh, personalities for the city itself. And the word falah in Arabic means the one who farms. And interestingly enough, the, the, the Arabs, they tied together this root word to show you that part of being successful is adopting the personality of a farmer. That if you want to be successful, it's like you're, it's like you're, you're, you're harvesting your life. And I actually looked up, I Googled this, right, because I'm a city slicker what does it take to be a farmer name the steps for farming i know there's a bunch of people here maybe who like you guys you know during the pandemic you grew mint for the first time or something right (laughs) we tried uh you know mint's easy i think we had basil basil the like basil's. our house smelled like a, a pasta restaurant it was nuts um so there's a couple things and again this is important to understand because these metaphors exist for a reason Allah Ta'ala doesn't just use with His infinite knowledge and wisdom certain words pointlessly. Even the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi when he uses certain metaphors, the more you dig deep into the metaphor, the more you're like, wow, like layers start to become uh, unraveled. So the first thing farmers do is they what? They prep the soil. They make sure that wherever they're planting, whatever they're investing into is worth it. And the believer has to do this. Like how much does the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi talk about the environment of the believer? The environment that... The person is only able to be like their friends. This isn't meant for a person to walk around and start alleging like, you know, hypocrisy in their friend circle. No, it's meant to be a reminder that you're only going to become where you are. And this is why like when people talk about where to live, I was having a conversation with somebody uh, 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 last week. He drove here from Houston and he came for heart- to heart work and he was like, yeah, you know, should I move to Dallas? And I was like, I don't know, like, you know, and he's like, what's good here? And I was like, I mean, the, the food's not bad. You know, like you, and Houston, I think, has a leg up on us. But I, I did say, I said, you know, our Friday khutbah schedule is pretty much unbeatable. <laughs> I mean, like, you can either go to, like, Sheikh Omar Suleiman, you can go to Sheikh Abdul Nasser, Mufti Kamani. Like, you have Sheikh Mikhail, you know, Sheikh Asr Khadi, if you want uh, to go to Epic, like, wait, you know, the Plano side. You got all these, like, amazing, like, khatibs. And you're like, man, like, it's, it's almost too much, Right. And and, and so I told him, and I I told him, I said, you know, what what are you thinking about when you're planning your move? And he said, I just want to be like in a good environment. It's so rare for us to think like that. Oftentimes we think about, you know, uh, appreciation of property and school districts and safety and access to a highway and how close is the nearest Kroger and all all these questions that people ask. Go talk to a realtor, talk to a Muslim realtor and say, when you deal with Muslim families, how many of them say, where's the nearest masjid? They don't, they buy the house, they live there and then they Google and they find that it's a man and they go to the masjid and the masjid's like closed for you know five out of the five salas during the day. And they're like, oh man. And then they grow up for their two decades with their kids there and the kids end up struggling being like, you know, where's my faith? Where's my Dean? Well, the reality was there was no strategy in place at all. There was no thought about what the environment of this. So we all have to think like this. When you get a job offer, like you have to think about the strategy. Okay, am I going to be able to practice my faith? And mashallah, like I will say, as an amazing sign, after hard work, like 60 to 70% of the questions I get are like, hey, I have two options. One of them is better for my faith. The other one is better for my, I don't know, finances or something. I, and I, I, I need your advice. And my, 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 I always answer questions with questions. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> it's the safest thing. If you don't know, just say, what do you think? So they go, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? And they're like, that's so deep. And I'm like, no, it's not. I'm just trying to avoid it. <laughs> you know, do you think he's the one? I'm like he might be the one, is he the one? They're like I don't know he's like, so you know what do you think th-? and, then, and then you know usually like I'll, I'll be honest with you like everyone just kind of answers the question, they know, like everyone knows so they're like oh, I, I know that this one has better like you know maybe uh, I, I, the signing bonus is higher or something but like I just it's so weird that I, I, I may not pray Jum'ah once every you know uh, I only get once every month for Jum'ah or something and that's feel, that feels weird to me so I think this is better for me. It's okay, mashallah. And then you come back to that person six months, 12 months later, and they're like happy. Why? Because they're successful. You get it? So like the success has changed. And I think that's, that's gotta be the biggest thing for our demographic is like, how do we define falah? How do we define success, okay? Another part of success that no one ever talks about, sorry, another part of farming that no one ever talks about because we're not farmers, okay? Is you have the soil, you have the plant, No one talks about the fertilizer. What do they use for fertilizer? What's the best fertilizer? Cow dung. Literally cow excrement. I can't say, you know. Crap, right? Okay. That is the, like that is nutritious for the soil. You know, and this is crazy, subhanAllah, because you look across all the different texts of Islamic uh, uh, literature regarding spirituality and you find that the scholars of Tazkiyah will write, they'll say this, like, you cannot become successful if you haven't gone through some stuff. You can't. You know, Ibn Atta'illah, he says, bury yourself in the earth because a plant that is not buried never sprouts. And that's just like a reality. Whether or not you're going through difficulty, literally, whether or not it's, you know, stuff is hitting the fan in your life, is not an indication of your success or failure. Anyone ever gone through bad stuff and they're like, okay, I'm I'm clearly not on God's good side right now. Like, I'm a bad person. That's not true. Do you think the plant that's being fertilized by cow dung is like, I'm a bad plant? (laughs) No, there's something in that excrement, that waste, literally, guys, they call it waste. There's something in that waste that although is not valuable to us, please. I don't want to hear about any like weird keto diet. Okay, anyways. (laughs) Not valuable to us at all. Guess who it's valuable for? It's valuable for the plant. And not all of it, just certain parts of it, right? Certain elements of it. I mean, the the, the more clean example for me is that the coffee grounds that I use at home, the espresso grounds that I use, that's great fertilizer for plants. It has no use. It has no use. It's actually trash. If you go to a coffee shop, they have knock boxes. They just knock the puck out. The puck is gone. And there are people who are like Green Thumbs, they're gardeners, they come at the end of the day and they pick up all of those coffee grounds. And they take it and they fertilize their gardens with that. Right, one person's trash is another person's treasure. Realizing that in whatever situation Allah has put you in, is your essential nutrients. Just like when we plant something, we're throwing waste on it, but we know that in it there's khair for the plant, right? There's a book that, uh, that that, that I I'm translating it. There's a book that I'm working on. It's called literally, The Virtues and the Benefits of Trials and uh, uh, Tests. And the scholar writes 17 reasons about why bad things happen, all the good things that come from it. You know what he says? Somewhere along the way, he says something really profound. He goes, you know what's crazy? You would never know what uh, patience, perseverance, uh, resilience... All of these admirable traits, like the things that you talk about when you're getting interviewed, describe yourself. You're like, I'm very resilient. Uh, I persevere. Uh, I'm a great team player. I'm patient with people. Like all these things that you describe yourself with, you wouldn't even know what that was if Allah didn't test you. You wouldn't know. How do you know what patience is if you've never been in a bad situation? How do you know what it's like to bounce back being resilient if you've never been knocked down? You wouldn't, right? So many things are proven to us in the moments when we are covered in waste. And that's when we realize without later on that we were actually being given nutrition spiritually the entire time. And then the last thing obviously is the irrigation, the harvesting, uh, the, 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 the receiving of the plant it takes forever, it takes forever. You know, farmers plant their crops when? I'm asking, I don't know. Do you guys know? When? Six months in advance, right? they plant and then they wait, and you know what they don 't have a hundred percent return. There are some that they plant, and it doesn 't work out, okay, but they have to wait and they have to trust, and they have to follow the procedure, they have to trust the process and in that trust at the end, when the corn starts to come or when the you know the, the vegetables and the and the fruits, everything starts to bear the way that it's supposed to. I don't know if you guys have ever actually taken care of a plant before without killing it in like two days. But when it starts to go like the way it's supposed to go, there's a feeling of like, man, this is good, right? Now, everyone's like, I didn't come here for agriculture lesson. Transfer that to your Iman. Have you given yourself time? Have you put yourself in the right environment? Have you planted yourself in the right soil? Have you seen difficulty as an opportunity instead of a burden? Have you been able to wait and give yourself time? Be patient with your own faith, right? Without getting frustrated and giving up. And then when you do have moments, you know, the scholars call them like futuhat. When you have that opening of faith, it might be like the last week of Ramadan, or it might be like when you're traveling to like an area, like let's say you go for Umrah or something. I don't know. It might just be a day you wake up for Fajr and you have that opening with Allah. Do you backtrack and walk away or do you say, you know what? Now I'm going to commit. I'm changing. I'm being different. You hear something and you, someone you know, at a lecture or a class or something, or you're listening to a podcast and the teacher and the speaker says to you like, this is what you need to do. And you're like, I know that this person is talking to me. That's your moment to harvest that moment. And if you don't harvest it, what happens to the fruit? It dies. It's wasted, right? This is what, subhanAllah, this is all built in what? It's one word. The Quran is deep. It's like, this is why the scholars called it the ocean. Because you literally could spend the whole day on the beach of the Quran and not get tired before you know it's sunset. You're like, oh gosh, I missed all my salah. No, just joking, hopefully not, right? Okay. All right. So that's the people of taqwa. Now Allah changes uh, 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 topics. And He starts talking about another group. Remember we talked about this. End of source Fatiha. There's three groups mentioned. We just covered the first one. Now the second one. Inna ladina كَفَرُوا إِنَّ ladina kefaru. Those people who reject. Those people who reject. Now you might find in some translations that this is talked about as like those people who do not believe. My opinion, and the opinion of like Imam al-Baghawi and other scholars of Tafsir, is that that is not an accurate enough translation. Because Imam al-Baghawi, for example, says, there are four different kinds of people who don't believe. Okay? He talks about this. He says, it still is not believing in Islam. We don't like, we don't tell someone like, hey, do you believe? And I'm like, no, you're like, you, you do. I know you do. Right? I did that once with somebody. I actually kind of uh, scared them away a little bit. So, I was able to, alhamdulillah, tell them that I was joking. They ended up converting, so it's a good story. Uh, but the point being is that he says, people who don't believe in Allah or don't believe in the, 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 the divine message of the Qur'an, like, they're not all one group. They're not all one kind. Like, was Abu Jahl and Abu Talib, were they the same? If you guys know the story of the life of the Prophet Wasallam, Abu Jahl was one of his, uh, Abu Lahab, let's do Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab was part of his family that wanted to kill him, right? And Abu Talib was part of his family that wanted to protect him. And Abu Talib was not a believer by majority consensus. He died unfortunately in a state of of not accepting the Prophet as a messenger, even though he praised the message of Islam. And he actually even praised, as he called the Deen of Muhammad but he refused to accept it for a certain reason, namely because of the pressure of his friends and the people around him to abandon the the belief of the forefathers. But Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab were like on a path to kill the Prophet Right? So, we understand their, their disbelief is different. And this is important. Because, as Muslims, it's important to not view everybody with such shutters in the world as being equivalent. It's important to understand the nuance that Allah has created within each person. And I think a lot of the problems with like the, 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 the silos that Muslims live in, is because they struggle to see that people are as different as their DNA. Like literally everyone is unique. And you know who appreciates your uniqueness? Allah. Like human beings can't do it. We look at two people from the same country and we say like, oh, you guys are like all, you guys are all the same, right? Like people, like, you know, they mistake me uh, uh, for Imam Sahib Webb, you know? They're like, sorry, you guys all look the same, right? I'm like, okay. It doesn't help that one time Imam Sahib went along with it. Uh, in an elevator. They're like, are you guys related? And he's like, yeah, he's my son, <laughs> Mark Webb, you know? Uh, it, 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 this is how the human mind works, right? Piaget said that we have these, these, these schemas that we exist in, like these boxes in our mind, and we like to place things in boxes. And the more intelligent a person, the more boxes they have. The less intelligent, the less boxes. Because the less intelligent you are, the more you just group everything together. Like You're all the same, right? All your stories are the same, everyone's the same, everyone's the same, except for me, I'm different. But then subhanAllah, the more you meet people, the more you travel, the more you listen instead of talk, the more you read instead of you know, just watch, the more you learn, the more you realize like, man, everyone's story is truly unique. And maybe in everyone having different fingerprints or different DNA, there is some sort of beautiful message there for everybody, right? That everyone truly has a unique state with Allah So when it comes to disbelief, we, we enter from this door and we say, okay, we understand that disbelieving in Allah is not one and the same. There are many different kinds. And the scholar actually, you know, Imam al-Baghwai, he goes over them. And he says that there are different kinds of disbelief. Uh, the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about in this verse is uh, very specific because the verse is very strong. Listen to the translation. You ready? He says, those people who believe, in ladina الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْهِمْ Those people who disbelieve, Allah says, "You know what? It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's all the same, whether or not you warn them, like you try to talk to them, or whether or not you don't talk to them. Right? They won't believe. That's a very like, wow. I mean, if you if you imagine like being at interfaith gathering, you like lead off with that verse, you know. And some people think that's like a subtle flex." Like they do, like they're like, Oh, God said in the Quran that doesn't matter, right? All you just believers, you're all the same, right? Well, actually, no, like this is the problem. A person reads one verse, right, and they think that they know everything. It's like a person making eggs and they want to open up a restaurant. It's like relax. You didn't even make the eggs properly, you burned them. Okay? So Allah Ta'ala is saying, and then he continues, that Allah Taala has placed a lock over their hearts, over their ears, over their eyes, that he has placed a veil, a cover, and for them will be a great punishment. All right, now these two verses come off very strong. What would you guys do if you read these verses? I mean, they're right in the beginning of the Quran. So if I told you guys, all right, go home, get a translation, start reading, you're probably gonna hit these two tonight. What do you do? How do you, how do you process this? I'm gonna ask it next week at hard work. Or you're like, thank God, I believe. How do you handle this? No, seriously. I mean, My thoughts are that if you have that consciousness of fear that you're in that category, you probably aren't the person who has the heart seal. Okay, good start, I like that. Abdullah here, Mashallah says like, if you have that consciousness or awareness of concern, like God, I hope I'm not from that, then it's probably a good sign, right? Like if you're concerned, it's good. Very good, good start, yeah, yeah. Mm. exactly this is a very and i thank you for being honest he's like that's the joke that i made about interfaith like would you lead off with this is this what you like on eid your co like tell us about islam you're like well it doesn't matter if i tell you or not you're all going to hell anyways like there, you know what i mean and 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 here's the other thing so he said like i'm worried that it, like if this verse gets out <laughs> like we're in trouble no one's gonna become muslim anymore here's the thing these verses have been here for 1400 plus years and we've been okay so listen to this this is very very important right the quran when you read it can never be isolated to one verse like when you want to talk about a topic or a theme in the quran this one's talking about disbelief you know the first step is not just to stop at one verse but you have to now gather all the different verses that discuss this, this, this theme this topic and in order to do that you have to be knowledgeable enough to even know where those things are so really no judgments can be pronounced on this the second thing is and this is why i want to kind of take a moment here and say that if you read the quran or if you're recommending to people read the quran anyone here ever asked me like hey what book should i give my friend or my coworker or like my significant other or something? what book should i give them they're, they're learning about islam what do i always tell people sirah very good not that the quran is not valuable and important of course not it's stuff for allah but you have to read it with the seerah. Because as Aisha said, عنها, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi was a walking Qur'an. His life explains the Qur'an. So if you engage in this, okay, if you engage in this, in this book and you don't have the, the, the context, the backdrop, the environment of the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the historical ignorance is gonna lead you to make a lot of assumptions that are false. So, when you open up this tafsir, you come across a very interesting explanation. When was this verse revealed? This is a whole science. When was this verse revealed? I see that, mashallah, our, our, our youngest student is anxious. She wants to know. Okay, so, mashallah, you're totally good, by the way. Uh, this verse was revealed after the battle of Badr. And it was talking about specific individuals that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had declared and said that after the Prophet spent more than a decade talking to them, reasoning with them, encouraging them, and in fact, I'll take it even a step further, in private, they acknowledged that Islam was true. In private, they did. There's an entire story. The Prophet ﷺ in Mecca used to go, he used to recite Quran by the Kaaba, and he used to do it in the middle of the night so no one could see him and he wouldn't be bothered and harassed by the Quraysh, and they were, you know, the Kaaba is a cube structure. So how many sides are available if he's on one? Everyone's like, carry the two, subtract, you know, square root. Three, there's three left. If he's reciting in front of one, there's three sides available to, you know, if everyone gets a side. I should have clarified, It's a bad question. So he's reciting and you have Akhnas bin Shuraik, you have uh, uh, Abu Jahl, you have these people. They're all going to listen because they are enamored by this Quran, they cannot get enough of it, they're literally like head over heels, I mean, they're, they're, they're forsaking their sleep and their beds to go and listen to the Prophet recite, okay, check this out, at the end of one of those sessions, they all leave, but they all don't know that they're there, each of them thinks that they're alone, the Prophet thinks he's alone, you know, they all think that they're alone, so they all leave. On the way out, the three of those who were the enemies, self-proclaimed enemies of the Prophet, they bump into each other. And they're like, oh, what are you doing here? And like, I just want some Samson." You know, like, <laughs> I forgot my bone arrow, you know, by the Uruk and or something. So they all made up some excuses. So then finally, I believe it was Abu Jahl, he says like, look, we all know why we're here. Like, we're listening to this. Even, even Almod before he converted, he used to go and he used to hide inside the cloth of the Kaaba, so that he could listen to it, and there's a beautiful story, it's too long to tell, but there's a beautiful story, and basically, he's narrating this after he converted, he said, every thought I had, the next verse responded to my thought. Even the one that said, how does he know, I'm, I'm thinking this, he must be a magician, Allah Ta'ala then responded and said, he's not a magician. <laughs> So they loved it. Like they were like, they believed. They were all in, right? Now what created like a difference between Omar and like Abu Jahl or Akhnas or any of these people? Or like Abu Sufyan who later converted? Or like Hind, who later converted? Or Amr or Khalid or, uh, 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 you know, any of these individuals who later, Abu Jahl's son. Abu Jahl's son. Imagine like Eric Trump walks in here and he's like, hey guys, I'm not saying Donald Trump is Abu Jahl. He's not dead yet, Allah what his state is. But like, just imagine, okay? Like imagine what's going on guys? Assalamu like and he's the um, comes and converts, okay? So SubhanAllah, what we find is, the kind of kufr that they had, literally, Imam al-Bagawi he says this, he says that these people had uh, what's called uh Al bi that they had like an obstinate, like persistent kufr. Like they actually had to try to disbelieve. Does that make sense? They had to try to reject it. So he described it, he defines it, he says, In Allah ta'ala qalbihi that they understood who Allah was in their heart, they get it. Okay. That they understood that God was God is God, but they refused to affirm it with their tongue, just like the kufr of who? Iblis, shaitan. Okay? So think about it. We talked about this before. Shaitan knew the deal. Shaitan knows what's up. Like, he is not a disbeliever because of the same reason why many people disbelieve. Many people who disbelieve or don't believe, they are sincerely waiting for something, a sign or something. Right? They, they're genuinely skeptical. Iblis was genuinely uh, resentful. He he has nothing to be skeptical about. Right? Many of us are like, does God exist? Iblis is like talking to Allah. We're like, does Jannah Janna and Jahannam, are they real? Iblis is like, he's, he's there. He sees it. He's been in the garden earlier as Iblis before he shaitan. So the whole point being is that there are different kinds of kufr. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about this kind of kufr, When he's talking about this kind of consequence for those who disbelieve, he's not talking about everybody. He's talking about a very specific group of people. These are the people who at night would go and listen to the Prophet read Quran and would be in love with it. But because of their status and their business and their leadership was threatened by this, during the day they would throw dead animals on the back of the Prophet And they would beat him as much as they could. That kind of kufr, if you think about it, if we talk about like the same person can contain those two elements inside of them, that at night they're going and lovingly listening, and in the morning they're harassing and attacking, we would define that as insanity. We would define that as like some sort of dysfunction. Like you have such an issue with this person's message that you physically beat him and his followers, but at night you go and you listen to it and you love it. That, that there's something not right in the heart of that person. That's what Allah is saying. And he's saying, you've become so obsessed with your arrogance and, and, and digging yourself in and saying, no, there is no God above me, right? You've become so obsessed with that, that you refuse to accept truth as it is plain. And you know it's true because you're listening and you enjoy it and you agree with it. But in public, you won't utter it. That's what Allah's talking about. Okay? So why is it important? Why did I just go on that huge tangent? Because the Quran is for everybody. Everybody can open the Quran and read it and be like, wow, that's amazing. I benefited. Time to go to work. Time to go to sleep. Time to go, okay, I get my five, 10 minutes in a day. But we all have to agree on something. Can we agree? Handshake, everybody? For the guys? And then air. Handshake, right? Okay. Can we agree? Without access to knowledge or being able to ask questions don't ever come to a definite a definite conclusion about anything right just like i would it medically right like i'm not a doctor i you know last night in my family we were having like a medical conversation something was happen happening of medical nature okay i'm trying to be as vague as possible as you can tell there was something medically happening in the world last night okay and and it was within my family and so we we had to like call some friends who are medical people uh also known as doctors and and ask for their opinions okay and everybody in the family who's not a doctor there's nobody my brother is but on this side of the family there's nobody that's a doctor uh uh, everybody was was kind of like offering their thoughts as to what should happen and what should be done and then we go and speak to the doctor and he's like uh you're all wrong and i'm very happy you called me (laughs) because had you listened to any one of you like this could have become really sad it could have been a sad night right? And so he said, here's what you do, call in a prescription, go pick it up, call me, you know, take two of these, call me in the morning, basically, right? And 12 hours later, checking on the, in, the family member, things are going better, alhamdulillah. See what happens with knowledge? Something that could have been tragic, like devastating. We're talking loss of life. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make things light here, but like we're talking loss of life led to a recovery within 12 hours that could have been, and I swear by Allah, devastating for the family. If we didn't all humble ourselves and submit to somebody who has actually been trained, working, practicing for now, like, I don't know, two decades, three decades, okay? Now, a person's faith, much more delicate, right? Much more, the situation, the parallels are uncanny. And sometimes we trust our faith with Google or one auntie told me, no offense to being aunties here, right? Or one uncle yelled at me one time or I saw one time somebody said this or I grew up hearing this. Would you ever like live your life medically? Would you walk into your PCP and be like, I know you told me this, but man, one auntie one time just told me, you know what I mean? You would never do that. And so we have to have the same level of reverence for what it takes to understand this stuff. Now, we can all look at medical advice and say, you know what? I should probably eat less red meat. I should probably walk every day, drink more water, right? These are things that as a non-healthcare professional, I get, I'm not trained, but I understand. And that's how I read the Quran as well. But if I need to go deeper and come to a definite conclusion about something, I got to go to the source. I have to have access to the source. MashaAllah, she's cheering me on. He? He's cheering me on. Okay. Okay, so now let's talk about this a little bit, the end of this verse, because the question naturally comes up. Khatam Allahu ala qulubihim. Allah has sealed their hearts, and He has sealed their ears, and He has covered their eyes. Very interesting. We talked about this before. The eyes, the ears, and the hearts. What are these? They are what? Means of perception. Yeah, means of perception. Like you listen to something or you see something and that allows you to process something. So Allah Ta'ala here in this verse is telling us, you can never separate these three faculties. They cannot be separated. Whatever you hear, Imam Ghazali says it best. He says, the quickest way for something to become a part of you is to watch it or to listen to it. It's the quickest way. Anyone here have memories you wish you didn't have? You know, that's why they say like they literally have warnings on the Internet. You're scrolling and it's like trigger warning, you know, or they say like not safe for, you know, this much or this age or whatever. Or they'll just say like you can't unsee some things. Right. And again, I'm not trying to sound too dramatic, but like there is a tacit admission in those statements that your heart, even in the secular world right, where they can't explain the soul and does it does exist or not. Your heart is like a sponge. And your heart will take in whatever you allow your eyes and your ears to process. Okay? It will at least try. If the heart is receptive to it, it will take it in. If the heart is rejecting of it, then it will be able to push it away. For better or for worse. If the heart is sick, and a person hears the beauty of the Quran, it won't really hit them. It won't register. If the person is super healthy, like their heart is so close to Allah, and they're in like the middle of like, I don't know, Rodeo Drive or somewhere that's just like dunya on top of dunya, right? Dunya sandwich. They're going to be there and it won't affect them at all. I once had a teacher, subhanallah, he used to tell me that like the true pious person is not the person that just pulls away from society and goes and lives by themselves and goes and says, you know, what, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be, you know, I'm going to go live in uh, Denton or something, right? Or, you know, I got to change that now because we're so close to it salina right okay someone once told me that they moved to dallas i'm like mashallah where they're like salina i'm like is that in oklahoma right okay (coughs) apparently half the crowd here lives in salina because they found that offensive okay so (laughs) so the point being is that the teacher told me that you don't just if you want to protect your heart you don't just like lift yourself up from the world and leave right like that's not true piety true piety is having such a strong heart that you work on over time, that you build up over time, that like the things that used to rattle you don't rattle you anymore. You know, you used to be tempted by certain things. They don't tempt you anymore. And this happens with age too. Like as you get older, some certain aspects of things that used to be desirable to you, like are no longer desirable. My advice, don't force it. If you no longer want it, accept that as a gift from Allah and move on. There are certain activities, certain hobbies, certain habits that you will just naturally, like the way that your heart is, Allah has given you that tawfiq, that like you just won't want to do it anymore. Maybe even certain groups of friends. If you know what? Like back in college, it was fun, I guess, to like do that, but like now it's not fun and I kind of want to get more serious or like, you know, just be a little bit more wholesome as they say. Don't force yourself down a path that your heart is telling you not to go down. If your heart is pulling you in one way, just allow your heart to lead you, Right? Choose people, as the Prophet says, choose people that put you in situations that allow you to feel good about the deeds you're doing. Choose environments that allow you to feel good about the deeds you're doing. And allow that heart to pull. So, the heart, if it's healthy, even if a person is hearing things that are, like, really problematic, of course, it still is, like, it still is impacting, but it's not going to affect the person. And the other way is, unfortunately, true, that if the heart is sick, like, they can be literally in the Uh, Haram Masjid in Mecca And it just won't impact Right, so we ask Allah Ta'ala to purify our hearts So that when things are good Like our hearts receive them That's why in the Quran there's an analogy that Allah gives Where he talks about the land that is dry That doesn't receive water Right, that it just, there's no water That can penetrate and bring forth vegetation Doesn't matter how much rain happens This land is dead land There's no nutrients here And then he talks about other kinds of lands, the ones that produce fruit, the ones that at least hold the water so that it benefits other people. There's a lot of different ways to benefit, but there's some hearts, subhanAllah, no matter how much water is rained down upon them, there's no nutritional value in them, there's no life that's going to come from that. May Allah protect our hearts from being like that. So who are these people? Allah Ta'ala says that He has sealed them off and that they have earned His punishment. How do we explain this? Because one answer that people can give is like, is anyone truly beyond being saved? What do we learn in Islam? We're just one step away from forgiveness, right? What's that step? Tawbah, Tawba. repentance. We're, just, we're all just one step away. I mean, you have people who literally, the person who killed the Prophet Sallallahu uncle, Hamza, and the person who commissioned that killing and disfigured him, and her husband, Abu Sufyan, Hind, and Wahshi, we say about them, رضي الله عنهم, may Allah be pleased with them, because after doing that act, which caused the Prophet wasallam, so much pain, they all accepted Islam. Crazy, right? I don't know if anyone in here can claim that they would be able to do the same thing. That kind of forgiveness is unreal. It's almost beyond human, right? That's the, the best of humanity, the Prophet wasallam. So Allah can forgive even more than that. And Allah will forgive even more than that. So then why does Allah say here, He's not gonna forgive these people? I need some answers because I don't want anyone to walk out with a crisis of faith. Yeah. Huh? They're so deep into their arrogance. They're so deep, but to devil's advocate, we should never be Shaitan's advocate, but <laughs> its counterpoint is, I mean, Ahmad was pretty bad. I mean, he was literally on his way to kill the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ahmad, when he converted, that day he woke up on the way to kill the Prophet. So how does this first make sense? Yeah. Huh? Okay. And how do you know that? Huh? The arrogance that they had. It's kind of a trick question. I'll give you the answer, but I want a couple more. Yeah. This is good, guys. Ramadan's coming. Start to reflect on the Quran. Start to think about it. Okay? Uh, yeah? I think it's because they, they know that it's like... These people, like, they know Islam is right. And they know that they can make Tawbah. Mm. And they've had all this time to make it. And they never have. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because they're from the people who are what? Their kufur is... Juhudi, like they, they actually are obstinate. They're like immovable. They're not changing. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. People need to make an effort in order for the help of Allah to be made available to you. This is interesting. All the stories that I told you, like like whether it's like uh, Hind or Abu Sufyan or Ikrimah or Omar, radiallahu anhum, they all took one step towards Allah. Just one. And for some of it, it was like pretty much indistinguishable that moment. Like Omar is the one that blows me away the most. Ahmad woke up intoxicated on his way to kill the Prophet ﷺ, finds out on the way that his sister's Muslim. He didn't know. Goes to his sister's house, breaks down the door, beats up his brother-in-law and his sister. Then when he sees the blood dripping from the face of his sister after he struck her, and he realizes what he did and just like how much this rage drove him to do. Because he wasn't a bad person. In fact, he was an incredibly uh, tribal, family-oriented man. Like he, his, his disappointment with Islam was actually not even theological only. It was more so like families are being broken apart. That was his issue, okay? He was like, make Arabia great again. Like that was his vibe. So he... <laughs> Roots is a nonprofit organization. We don't have any political unions. Right? Because it's either that or steal the money from Afghanistan. SubhanAllah. May Allah help our people. Lord Almighty. Okay, so we can only rely on Allah, man. So he has that moment, and you know what he says? And this is his one step. He just says to his sister, who has blood dripping from her face, Can I see it? That's all he says. Can I see what you're reading? And she says, no! <laughs> she says, you're impure. You have to go wash up. He goes and washes up and then he reads it. That was the only step he took. Can I just read it? And then he reads, Taha, ma anzalna This Qur'an was not meant to be made difficult. He thought the Qur'an was causing difficulty in Arabia. Allah says, it's not meant to be difficult. You're making it difficult. That was his step. Eklama, was almost, he was, on a, he was actually on a boat. He was about to dip. Like he was at the bottom of the peninsula. He's like, I am out. The Prophet is going to kill me. I'm convinced. No, he seriously, he's like, opening of Mecca, I'm done. I'm Abu Jeho's son. Like, it, even if he doesn't want to, an example has to be made. You know, any leader of the time is going to walk in, take the most powerful person, Execute them and say, I'm your new leader now. I mean, this is like a movie, like we're used to this stuff, right? So is like, I am out. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sends somebody and tells Akrama, tell him that he's safe and I just want to talk to him. Ekremah comes back and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gives him a shahada and that's it. That one step, right? Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan was just friends with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi uncle. He wasn't even fully Muslim. He was like, ah, I'm just with him. He didn't even fully believe. And then, subhanAllah, the Prophet gave Abu Sufyan, because he was afraid. If I convert, am I going to lose my honor, like my status? Like, I'm Abu Sufyan. You guys know how hard it is to change the mind of an older person? It's like cement. Right? For better or for worse. It's hard to change the mind of an older person. Abu Sufyan's old. So he's with Al-Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet And he's like... Yeah, I guess I'll accept. I mean, the defeat is imminent. like, OK. And the Prophet saw sees kind of his like hesitance and his wishy-washiness. And he says and he knows the Prophet. He's a genius. He knows that he's worried not about faith. He's worried about what his status like if I become Muslim, I'm just going to become like everybody else. Right. Which is a problem. It's a problem. But the Prophet says, which problem is worse? Disbelief or some disbelief with some some sickness? Or sorry, belief with some sickness. Disbelief is way worse. kufr is way worse. Someone denying God in Islam is way worse than someone saying, I'm Muslim, but I have like this issue. Okay? So the Prophet tells Abu Sufyan, Yeah Abu Sufyan, go back and tell your people that Muhammad is coming, and the only way that people will be safe is if they go to your house. Whoever is in Abu Sufyan's house is safe. And Abu Sufyan hears that and he's like, What? Me? Yes, you. You're their leader. Whoever's with you, they're safe. Of course, everyone was safe for that day, right? You learn about Fatimaqah, it's the conquest of no blood, SubhanAllah. But see the genius, it just took one step. So what's the difference with Abu Jahil, Abu Lahab, and these people? They didn't even have the sense to take one step. And so Allah spoke about them. And in Arabic, it's, 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 it's beautiful. He spoke about them in the past tense. In Arabic, the past tense means it's done. It's complete. They literally call it the perfect tense because it's no longer changeable. This is one of the miracles of the Quran. Abu Lahab, there's a whole surah about him. yada abi I know that the surah is like a childhood memorization one, but it's kind of dark. Okay? <laughs> My son's like, let's memorize that one. I'm like, let's not. Let's go to Surah Kauffar. <laughs> <inaudible> right? Tabbat yada Abi Lahab Allah Taala talks about the destruction that Abu Lahab laid upon himself and his wife, that they both destroyed themselves. This is happening while they're alive. Do you know what they have to do to try to like cause some issues here? All they have to do is say, <inaudible> "La <laughs> ilaha." That's all he had to do. Say like three or four words, and now you've like injected all of this turmoil into the message of Islam because. A, a, now of course we have and other things but the point being is like that could have been a big shake up right oh your, your God revealed about me being in hellfire that's interesting even just fake it dude just fake it he couldn't even take one step and as scary as this verse is when you know that it's specific and you know it's talking about certain people it also shows you how merciful Allah is the heart will never be closed. If you're willing to take one step, Allah doesn't need you to take one step. Allah could forgive and, and guide whoever you wanted, but the sincerity that you and I need to keep going has to be shown to ourselves first. Sometimes in order for us to believe in ourselves, we have to take a step forward, right? It's like Musa climbing a jungle gym. Like if I just lift Musa up on top of the playground, I'm sorry for the one guy here who hates stories about my family. I'm just joking. It was a joke. There was one guy who complained all he does is talk about his kids. So now I avoid it. I'm sorry. It just is what it is. I'm a dad. All right? Dad jokes and everything included. If I just lift Musa and put him on top of the play set, he's there, but, like, he never actually, now he still isn't, he isn't confident. He doesn't believe himself. Right? So what's the way that people try to help is, like, training wheels. Right? Through your parents helping you up. You think you're doing it, but their hands are right there. It's like a, it's like a harness. And what are they doing, subhanAllah, is then eventually they just let go and you're able to climb on your own even though you knew you were safe and now you have all this belief in yourself. Allah wants us to move towards Him and He will reciprocate a millionfold whatever we put forth, but that one step for us is necessary so that we know we can do it. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us belief and we ask Allah Ta'ala to make our belief strong. We ask Allah Ta'ala to protect us from the sicknesses of the heart that lead to disbelief. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make the Qur'an a nutrition that for our hearts that cannot be obtained anywhere else. We ask Allah Ta'ala to be a quenching of the thirst of our hearts that cannot be reached anywhere else. We ask Allah subhanahu wa Ta'ala to allow us to read Ramadan and benefit from it and benefit from his book. And we ask Allah Ta'ala that anything we hear that we're able to act on it and to forgive us for our shortcomings. Ameen, Ameen, Ya Rabbala Alameen. fikum, everybody. Inshallah, just a couple announcements real quick. We have some of the brothers from uh, Tartil here. I don't know if you guys have heard of this app before, Tartil, Anybody? Really cool app, T-A-R-T-E-L. Mashallah, I think raise their hands. Mashallah, so we have two guys. Three, mashallah. It's like four, okay. We have four brothers here. Any more? Anyone else want to join the team? Quick while we're at it? Yeah, Yeah, we got one back there, okay. Uh, So this app is like one of the coolest apps in the world, mashallah, legitimately. If you want to have some relation with the Quran and you want to learn the Quran and memorize it and read it correctly, uh, this app has harnessed the power of AI in order to allow every Muslim to be able to engage with the Qur'an, uh, whether they're looking for a verse or whether they're memorizing a verse, uh, to the point where things like, you can recite two or three words, inna ladina kafaru sawa'un, and then the rest of the verse will be found, right? Or if I said, inna ladina kathara sawain, then it would find it and correct me. And it would say, hey, you need to stop scrolling through TikTok and start reading your Qur'an more because you're making mistakes, okay? So this kind of development, SubhanAllah, is like what's bringing a lot of pride to the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi This stuff is, and they don't cut corners, their production value is amazing, MashaAllah. May Allah Ta'ala bless you guys. May Allah Ta'ala give you guys the highest level of paradise. And I can't wait for you to show the Prophet Sallallahu how the app works in Jannah, Inshallah. Uh, so please go ahead and download the app, Inshallah, and support the brothers uh, who are who are developing it with your you know, usage and your du'as and of course, uh, feedback and ratings, five-star ratings, inshallah. Uh, and then and then on top of that, we also have Chai Chat this Friday, which is gonna be our first, uh, you know, it's our exploration of different pieces of media. We're gonna be watching The Social Dilemma, not all of it. We got five scenes or five clips that we're gonna pick out from it, inshallah, that we're gonna discuss as a group. So it's gonna be a group conversation, kind of chill. We had it scheduled a couple weeks back before the great blizzard of 2022, four inches that shut down, one of the largest cities in the country. You can tell that I'm from Chicago. Uh, no, but it's it's legit. They have to because they don't have any salt here. Just on the tables. Uh, so those uh, those those events that we had to cancel, we're rescheduling them across our calendar. So this Friday is Chai Chat, inshallah. If you already RSVP'd, we're going to send a message out uh, confirming your RSVP. If we have spots available, they'll be made available by Wednesday, inshallah. So just, uh, you know, heads up. We should we're, we're, we probably will end up opening up more spots, inshallah. Okay? Yes, any questions? What's yeah. T-A-R-T-E-E-L. Tartil. Yeah. Okay. Can you ask me after? Inshallah. Any other questions? Yeah. I have one question about the idea that we were talking about. Okay. So, when we put it into practice, we can't really tell somebody how arrogant they are. Yeah. I appreciate your candidness. This is a good question. So you read this verse and you're like, okay, Allah is talking in the past tense. Like, does that mean like, my friend who's not Muslim, it's like, well, it was nice, you know, like, but apparently you're not, you know. No, that's not what it's talking about. This ayah is specifically talking about a certain group of people, like by name, you know, in the tafsir, it continues to talk about. <speaking in Hebrew> you know, <speaking in Hebrew> it's talking about these people, okay. bin <speaking> <Hebrew> It literally lists their name. Why does the tafsir do that? To show us that this is not a general verse that can be applied to people. This is Allah telling us, He's describing to us what could happen. That a person could become so far gone, where they actually do acknowledge the truth of Islam, but because of their ego and their arrogance, they will never accept it. Just like He said, like Iblis. So this, this uh, uh, important thing to understand, this is a uh, ayah that is descriptive, not prescriptive, descriptive, there are some verses that describe something, but they're not asking you to pronounce anything on anybody, it's just telling you what could happen, okay, and one of the things that is the greatest descriptions, but not prescriptions in Islam, is someone's ultimate fate in the afterlife, we literally cannot promise if a person's going to heaven or to hell, we just don't know, in the books of theology, the scholars literally say those lines, We cannot affirm someone going to paradise, nor can we condemn someone to hell. That is purely for God alone. It's not a a cop-out. It's in the traditional books, right? So how do we understand this verse then? How does it benefit us? Well, we say, I sure as heck don't want to be somebody that knows Allah, but is so full of myself that I refuse to acknowledge and submit to Allah that my heart becomes sealed like that. The next group of people is the monafikim, the hypocrites. Let me give you a little teaser. First group of the believers. How many verses about them? 3. 3 verses total. Second group of the disbelievers, the obstinate ones. How many verses about them? 2. two. You know how many are about the munafiqun? No more. A lot, like 13 or something. I forget exactly. It's like 13 or 14. 13 or 14. Is there a difference? 3, 2, 14. The scholars say why so much? We'll talk about next Monday, inshallah. All right. Ah. Gotcha. A lot of Super Bowl commercials. No, actually none. Just joking. A lot of sliders and sandwiches. Okay. So I'm like...